Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. We are back. A happy 4th of July to Mike Lombardi and the family. How was it? What did you guys do? Ocean City was beautiful, right? It was unbelievable. Just a lot of barbecuing, you know, a lot of hanging out, a lot of chill, a lot of front porch living. That's the thing. <laughs> I think that's the thing you got to do down at the Jersey Shore is a little front porch living. But it's critical to do it now, right? Because if you don't do it now, you go, oh, my God, the summer's already gone. It doesn't feel like summer until beach, front porch living, watermelon, barbecue. You got to hit all those. A little, yeah. little frisbee. And, and in the NFL, it's over. Like, my two sons are going to go back to work here soon. I mean, every Everybody's headed back so it's like the summer's over you know once you get around the you know there's the you know George Young used to say he would never negotiate contracts and still best till Bastille Day you know only George Young the great philosopher former history teacher right love loves a good for France day with Bastille yeah, like, Day. <laughs> who even knows what Bastille Day is most of these kids today but but typically right. around Bastille Day you get that itch to say hey it's time to go back but I thought 4th of July was, you know, we had a parade in front of the house, which was great. All the kids on their bicycles, which was kind of neat, honoring mm-hmm. America and raising the flag. So it was fun. And, and you know, the NBA kept me entertained for that while. That's very cool. I'm here in Wisconsin visiting my brother Franklin, to be specific, just outside Milwaukee. This is the heartland, man. You got cheese curds. You got brats. They, they can't wait. They love their Packers here. You know that first time. Oh, that's amazing. When I was in Lake Geneva, it was hilarious because there was, it's right there on the border. So you had a lot of Bears fans from Chicago coming up and then you had that that green bay mafia there that those people they're just you know it's amazing it's amazing we were driving we checked the bags and millie gate checked the bags right mm-hmm. and this is a, this is a great wisconsin story right i love it so we checked the bags at the gate and then we get off the plane and millie and i both grabbed the wrong bag oh all right, so now we go and we realize that we go back to the gate. I get my right bag. I exchange it with somebody else. Millie doesn't get her bag. So we go down to the ticket counter, and the lady's like, don't worry. Somebody will show up with your bag. Well, the problem was all of her Super Bowl jewelry and everything was in the bag. Ooh. Not replaceable. So we wait three hours at the airport. Finally, she's in tears. It's, 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 it's brutal, right? So we go, and then we go back. And the lady says, look, he'll show up eventually. So we drive to Lake Geneva, which is about an hour away, right? Mm-hmm. And Millie's like, there's no way this guy's going to bring. He's going to see all the jewelry in there, and it's over with. It's like, and I'm thinking, and as I'm driving, I'm saying, you don't realize these people in Wisconsin are really good people. Somebody's going <laughs> to find that bag and bring it back, you know? <laughs> Yeah. We actually go to Tar. We go to TG Maxx, buy a whole new wardrobe because she thinks there's no chance, right? Right. In 20 minutes, she has a whole new wardrobe, which is remarkable. I mean, I'm putting shit in the bag. She's throwing it out. It's like unbelievable. But anyway, and then at six o'clock at dinner, I get a phone call. Your bag's back. The lady, the lady at the airport, FaceTimes me to show me the jewelry's in there. <laughs> yes, the FaceTime is classic. And then they deliver the bag. Not one thing missing. Not one piece of jewelry. Nothing. Not one ring. Not one. Nothing. That's, That's Wisconsin. I was going to say, Minnesota's nice, Wisconsin even nicer. Right. <laughs> With that, we move on to some of the news percolating right now. This jumped out to you. Carl Lawson's comments, the Bengals defensive end, who's trying to rehab from an ACL, says he'll play. It's about nine months removed from the ACL, ACL excuse me, said that Aaron Rodgers 
Easy to sack. Just just throwing bombs to the Packers quarterback right you now. You know, I think what he's saying is that he holds the ball longer than perhaps he should. See, I think this is going to be the issue with him is, is are they going to get him to change? Into a, he wants to wait for the big play. He's holding that ball. You know, and most guys would – I think you can see, guys, when you look at quarterbacks – eye level and when their yards per attempt start to dwindle down like Eli's mm-hmm. you know when it starts to slowly their eye level is coming down Rodgers's eye level has not come down but he's not going to change what he does but like Lawson said in that report hey unless you do it unless you do it for four quarters he's going to come back because he's one of those guys that no matter what happens the punches don't get to him right and there's a quarterback in transition speaking of quarterbacks in transition Eli Manning says he wants to keep playing he's 38 years of age doesn't want to get pushed out the door but Peyton Manning his brother who could have been in the Monday Night Football booth turned it down according to Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports because he didn't want to analyze his brother the Giants and the Broncos on the Monday Night Football schedule and apparently Peyton was like listen I can't be honest and critique my brother maybe give it a few years if I still have that interest I think that's honorable of Peyton it seems like a human tendency right who right. wants to break down their brother especially his brother isn't very good right now right and I mean you got to give Peyton credit like he doesn't he can't say what he really wants to say right I mean you got to you know as as they said in the Godfather it's between the brothers okay <laughs> it's between the brothers it's between the brothers if he was actually critical of him well then I mean that's you're insulting your brother on national television and right. if you don't do it when you're a fraud you're not very good at your job because you're not willing to be honest and yeah. candid I mean, and I'm sure, I'm sure Peyton probably got on a plane with his little bow, cherry bow tie and went back to Sicily and said, you know, like, like Vito, like Vito Pantangia did, you know, it's between the brothers. Yeah, exactly. Also, this is a story we've been following for a while. Ezekiel Elliott is not going to be punished by the NFL's Roger Goodell deems it was no personal conduct policy violated in that Vegas incident. That in a vacuum isn't interesting, but we're still waiting for the verdict coming down on another player we've been following for a while. Yeah, right? Tyreek Hill, July 9th now. I think tomorrow, a Thursday, will be 10 weeks since the draft. <laughs> we've heard nothing, right? And I don't see how he can come back with no verdict. There's just no chance. There's going to have to be some kind of verdict. There's going to have to be some kind of way to where Goodell views this as a negative light because it truly is a negative light on him. I mean, there's no chance he can now we can debate four, six, eight, ten, twelve games, but it is a negative light. Any possible excuse you could give Goodell for not having given punishment so far? I can't imagine one. I think it's you know, Goodell has it in his hip pocket that says, Hey look, you know, I've got the right if you've embarrassed the league and I think that I think that this kid has skirted the issue enough to where he's embarrassed the league and he has never paid a price for it. You know, the fascinating thing is going to be is do you think the Chiefs will really give him a contract? This is the craziest thing with the Chiefs. They, more than any other team, Mike, you know, are willing to give second, third, fourth chances. I, I think they're the type that go, oh, four-game suspension? Okay, but you can play the other 12, right? Awesome. Let's sign him up. I really yeah, do. Like, they're crazy. How do you justify your cash? One thing I know about owners, they like their cash. Like, how do you justify the cash? Like, I don't understand how you can do that. Right, unless you think he's that productive a player, he's that game-breaking, an offensive dynamo that it's worth it. But I'm with you. I don't think financially or the public opinion of it. I mean, God, I mean, I don't know if you'd boycott it necessarily, but fans aren't going to like the guy. I mean, the public opinion doesn't seem to sway. I mean, there's enough red in, in, in Kansas City. It looks like the Soviet Union. It looks like Moscow. I mean, so, <laughs> I mean, you walk in there, you know, and they got a pretty easy schedule to start their season. I mean, if he gets suspended the first four games, I don't think it's going to be that, that, that disabling for them. Right. 
that could be interesting. A couple of serious topics where we get to what I really want to hear from Mike, which is NFL coaches rating. This is going to be very interesting as you break down the best. But here's a couple of a sobering stories here, Mike. First off, Kendrick Norton, the Miami defensive tackle, he lost his arm after a car crash. He was yeah. selected in the seventh round of the draft by Carolina. He's signed by Miami in December. He's yet to play in the NFL, but when you hear a guy amputated arm, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And, and unfortunately, in this situation where people don't realize the rules, because this injury occurred outside of football, it's deemed a non-football related injury, which then means that the, the Dolphins are not liable for anything that's happened. Now, I'm sure the Dolphins will handle the medical, but mm-hmm. in terms of that contract, like they can't just say, OK, you're on IR and we're going to rehabilitate you. You know, the one thing that Belichick talks about all the time, he calls it the trifecta, right? Mm-hmm. Before the team goes away, and the, Belichick talks about this all year long, all seasons. He calls it the trifecta, and the trifecta is is women, alcohol, and assholes. Okay, <laughs> and when you get the trifecta together, women, right. alcohol, and assholes, you're going to get in trouble. Now, you could probably right. say you could add dope in there, you could add marijuana in there. You get those yeah, four yeah. things in one area. Has he the fucking trifecta? Okay. You got the fucking trifecta out there today. And which, no, the better question is which one of the three is like the most inciting? Like, which one's the instigator with those three? Like the, I mean, you can, you can have alcohol and assholes, but I you get women say, involved. I would say the tone of his voice trails deeper on assholes. Fucking assholes. <laughs> But he's, it's hilarious. He's educating them on on exactly what's going to happen. Like, you know how many right. times I've heard him say, look, the trifecta is out there. Because, you know, we're sitting there in, 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 in Gillette Stadium and say there's a Taylor Swift concert, right? Yeah. Okay, the trifecta is in full force here today, you know. And, right. you know, and, and it's not like the players are looking for it, but that asshole is going to try to instill something. And then there's alcohol, which makes people tougher. And then of course, women, which we've known over the last, uh, since time. And as Tony (laughs) Soprano would say, since time immemorial has caused problems. Right. So, so, I mean, you get those three things together and unfortunately this poor kid, you know, I'm not saying he was doing anything with the trifecta, but sure, you know, but that's what happens and that's what you're worried about. I mean, the basically next week people go back to work, uh, Though most teams will go back, I think next Thursday or Friday, and then mm-hmm. at least you know you feel like okay, we can control the situation and we can manage it, and hopefully nothing happens between then and now. Can you play without an arm? Not to sound uh, indelicate, but is that possible? I don't see how a defensive lineman could. Now the Griffin brother is playing without a hand, you know, right. out in Seattle, but I don't think that's possible. I think this kid's obviously, you know, thankfully he's alive. I don't know the details yeah. of the uh, of the accident, but at least he's alive and. You know, it's a tragedy that he's going to have to lose an opportunity to compete for a starting job. And, you know, but it, I think that's sad. Before we get going on the uh, the coaches' ratings, did you yeah. watch the women's soccer? Unbelievable, yeah. The women's winning it 2-0 over Netherlands, yeah. Now, why do people make such a big deal out of the girl the way she celebrates? I, I'm missing this here completely. Uh, Alex Morgan with the yeah. celebrating of the teacup. Yeah, I guess they thought that, you know, she was... I mean, she was throwing shade, as they would say, at England by sipping a cup of tea. But I'm with you. I don't think it was a big deal. Some people thought she would look like she was smoking weed, the way her fingers were. But she was pretending to sip a cup of tea when she scored that big goal against England. So Pierce Morgan got upset. Yeah, I mean, oh, oh, really? Did he get upset? Do you yeah, watch that, that Pierce Moore? Well, that's a, he's on Good Day Britain, right? Him and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that, I don't think anybody really is caring about Pierce Morgan getting <laughs> mad. I don't know. I, 
I'm just happy we won. I mean, I thought it was awesome. Did oh, you? Yeah. And then how about your boy Joey Chestnut? Commentary on that? Unbelievable. The hot dog eating was unreal. I mean, listen, it's come to this point. I'm going to throw this out to you. If you're the all-time goats in any sports, if you say Brady, if you say Federer, if you say Tiger, Chestnut, in terms of the most dominating of his profession, you could make a case. Yeah, I, I think they should. If I were Nathan's, I would come out with a chestnut line. <laughs> Of dogs, right? A special bratwurst like, or whatever. My it was. favorite thing to drink is Jack Daniels because Sinatra loved Jack Daniels. He yeah. loved it. So Jack Daniels was smart. They made this thing called Sinatra Select, which is probably just Jack Daniels in a different bottle. But, sure, but they charge you an arm and a leg for it. It's called. But if you're a Frank fan, you're all in. Like yeah, yeah I'm all in. I got four bottles. I'm up there. You know, it's the, that comes out no matter when. But yeah. you know, and so. You would think they would have like a Nathan's, like the, the chestnut line, the upper echelon dog. Yeah, that's right. Like normally your cheap hot dog, Schneider's, whatever it is, you know, who really cares? But this is a good dog. Chestnut yeah, this is, is a good the dog. champion hot dog. Yeah, this man's eating more hot dogs than you'll ever eat in your lifetime. And he thinks this is the greatest dog ever. Why wouldn't you buy that dog? I agree. If you were starving with the bun, I think you and I, I mean, I don't know, five or six hot dogs. If you're really hungry, Oh no yeah, problem. you could kill them. But without the bun, how many dogs do you think you could do? 12? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, the bun, you know, the bun and the, oh, I just need mustard on them. Just put the mustard on them. Yeah, yeah Al Davis. I love it. All right. From Joey Chestnut, who is the best of the best when it comes to competitive eating, so the best coaches in football. NFL coaches rating. So I think let's go. You want to go top six, right? So go six, so go six to one. Let me give a little background. Sure. When I was at the Eagles. Yeah. And Ray Rhodes was the head coach. We had Emmett Thomas as the defense coordinator, John Gruden as the de- offensive coordinator, and Danny Smith was the special teams. And I kept wondering, like, why could, you know, Ray really didn't do very much as a head coach. He kind of just came in and cursed to the team, you know, and, and gave like, a, a, I mean, really some of the worst pep talks. Really, they were like, <laughs> you would just say, oh, my God. You would like to tell you. In, in, in what respect? It was too negative, or it just wasn't inspiring. Or uh, it, wasn't it was too negative? sexual. It was too. Oh, it geez. was. It was bad. It wasn't great. <laughs> That's awful. It wasn't great. But it, it was his personality. So it. Fit. I mean, he was funny, but it. You know. But right. and I got to so I, when I went out to the Raiders, I got involved in the, with a professor out of Cal, and he was helping me kind of break down coaches, and because there's a power rating in coaches, when you think about it, you know. I write about this in my book. When Bob Evans, when Robert Evans took over Paramount, he basically eliminated, he, he started buying books as opposed to trying to hire stars. Well, we're in this area where, where what staff matters. Back when Al Davis was dominating the 60s and 70s, he did it basically sheerly on players. I mean, Johnny Unitas never looked to the coach and wondered what the play was, right? So everything, mm-hmm. now everything's, it's chess on grass. So the head coach makes a huge difference. And so head coach, offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, O-line, D-line, those two coaches, and spe- those six really make up the staff. Everybody gotcha. else, you know, like, look, when you look at Dante Skarnecki takes Trent Brown and turns him into this legitimate left tackle, make him the highest paid tackle in football, you know, you're saying, hey, that guy's, I mean, Dante's worth a lot of money, you know, but, yeah. and so is, and, and so is Belichick, who's controlling a $180 million salary cap. And, you, you know, and if, if you paid Belichick $12 million a year, he's underpaid. That's the thing that's amazing about great head coaches. And that's why when you get a good coach, you better keep them. People disagree all the time, but I think when you see it. So anyway, the point of the story is I think you rank the coaches in groups, clusters of six. Gotcha. 
right? One mm-hmm. through six, and then and then it goes all the way down. Obviously, you can't rate the new coaches, but I'm only going to talk about the six, what I think are the six top coaches, and it really isn't about winning percentage. To me, it's about where I think they can go. Now, what's fascinating is there's seven NFL head coaches currently in the league that have won Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. You know, And that does mean something. I mean, look, Brian Billick won a Super Bowl, and he hasn't been able to get back in the league even though he's tried. So that does mean something. It, it unfortunately didn't work for Brian to get back. But so there's seven of those guys, and and I think when you break it down, and then there's other guys that have appeared. So McVeigh's appeared, Dan Quinn's appeared, Ron Rivera's appeared, you know, and Andy Reid's appeared. There's four more that have appeared in Super Bowl. So that's eleven of the thirty-two coaches mm-hmm. have appeared have been in Super Bowl contests before. But to me, I think you break it down. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the number one coach in the league is Belichick. There's no, there's nobody's going to debate that. But what's remarkable about Belichick is he's got 261 wins in the league, but his winning percentage in the playoffs is seventy, almost seventy five percent. He has a higher winning percentage in the playoffs than he does in the regular season. Andy Reid is twelve and fourteen come playoff time. Wow. So when it comes to difference. So you can't argue that. I think the debate becomes who's the second best head coach in the league. If you were drafting coaches, who would you draft second? I like Sean Payton a lot. If I get a Sean Payton, I think he's a great coach. He's done it for a long time. Great offensive mind. Won a Super Bowl. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm right there. I had him rated number two. I think, you know, he's won 118 games. He's won a Super Bowl. He's 8-6 and six in the playoffs. His offense is always on the cutting edge. And I, and I think, you know, the hard part is, like, we were going to talk about doing offensive and defensive coordinators, but right. some of these guys really, like, I, don't, I know Pete Carmichael helps call plays, but dang, I mean, Sean Payton's running that offense just as much as anybody. So it's hard to really say that. So he would be my number two coach. Number three – I th- I think Pete Carroll doesn't get enough credit for being a really good head coach. That'd be my pick as well. Great defensive mind, won a Super Bowl, I think does more with less, well-liked by players, coaches him up well, still youthful for his age. I agree, all those things. I, I mean, you know, he's got 122 wins. He's 10-8 and eight in the playoffs. He he got fired in two jobs that he basically won in. I mean, he gets fired. He gets fired in – imagine he's been fired for Rich Kotite and fired for Bill Belichick. <laughs> Can you hit? Can you go to the opposite spectrums of the world? Think about that. That one win season, one of the all time worst, just a disaster. I, you know, if I were Pete Carroll in his study when he retires, he should probably have a picture of Belichick on the wall and Rich Kotite on the wall. <laughs> the highs and lows. Here's the guys that replaced yeah, me. Like, like who was? That's got to be one of the great trees. Who was fired for for Rich Kotite? You know, like seriously. So uh, I have him three. Then I got Andy Reid four. And I think Andy Reid's he's got 195 wins. Andy Reid's going to hit the 200 mark here this season. So he's got but he's 12 and 14 in the playoffs. He's been 14 years in the league and he's had 5 years where he didn't get to the playoffs. I mean the guy the guy produces good teams, right? Yeah, the knock is going to be the playoff record, which you already mentioned, 12 and 14, but I'm with you. Listen, there's been times his teams haven't been very good and they've overachieved. And sometimes, it's not like the A's in baseball. Like If your team doesn't perform well in the playoffs, that's not all on the coach. So I'm with you. If you're consistent, I mean, 200 wins, that's insane. Right, and if he would just get somebody to help him with game management, just in play right. call... You know, if somebody would just help him, like, hey, Andy, I think you need to start the clock here. Hey, Andy, I think you need to do this here. It would be so much better for him. I, I, I don't understand how as smart as he is and as creative as he is and the way he develops quarterback the way he does, how he can't quite grasp that. Like, yeah, I don't understand how he does. You know, the secret to all victory lies in the organization of the non-obvious. And you would think that a guy's had 195 wins can organize the non-obvious. But yet there's some obvious things that Andy can't do. 
And I, and I don't know if he's ever going to overcome it. He, he just, to me, you know, it's a little bit of too many people tell him what they want to hear. And I think that's, that's the problem. Yeah. It's like everyone's got a blind spot. It's his blind spot. All right, who would be your next coach? Well, that's where it gets interesting. Maybe Mike Tomlin with the Steelers because he's won a Super Bowl. I think he's in the mix. Number five. Mike Tomlin's the next one. I gave him five. I, I have nice. him. He's got 125 wins. He's 66. Now, look, the Steelers are 57 wins in the last five years, which is second only to the Patriots. I mean, you could dis- Mike Tomlin's a lot like Andy Reid. You know, now he's now he's 10 and six in the playoffs, but there's details. The non-obvious slips through Mike Tomlin, but could you imagine if he could button some things up, how good of a coach he could really be? If he mm-hmm. could just button some things up, like game management, timeouts, the way he does it, I think he would be. So that's my fifth. Now, the sixth one, this is where I think it gets there's – a, there's a little bit of a – you could make the case for Doug Peterson, Super Bowl winner. You could make the case for, you know, Mike – I think Mike Zimmer's a hell of a coach. He's got 47 wins. You know, Rob Go Ramirez. with McVay. Go with the flashy young guy, McVay. I'm going to go with McVay. Yeah, I like it. I, I had him six. And, and, and I know he only has 24 wins. He's 2-2 two and two in the playoffs. He appeared in the Super Bowl. I mean, Peterson's got 29 wins and 19. He's 4-1. and one. Peterson's record in, in, in the postseason is 4-1. and one. That's pretty yeah. impressive. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, Jason Garrett's 2-3 and three in the playoffs. He's got 77 wins. The guy that's – here's the one that's interesting. Gruden is, is 99-93, and 5-4 and four in the playoffs. Wow. A 500 coach across the board. Yet you would think if you just asked me, I'd say got to be at least 60% win percentage. You would think so, right? I mean, he's a 500 coach. I mean, 99 and 93. Wow. I mean, that's. He's getting paid 10 million a year. (laughs) I mean, that's Billy Martin. Yeah. In baseball. When I, you know, Billy Martin would give a little spark to your team, but then at some point just doesn't quite cash in. It's going to be really interesting because the words you're hearing out of that place are from players that are there talking to other players that, that I talk to. It hasn't really been like, oh, my God, they got to turn around the corner. It's going to be right. interesting to see. But those are my six. Is there any – like John Harbaugh has got 104 wins, and he's 10-6 and six in the playoffs. Hard not yeah. to put it, – it, it's hard not to put him six, but it's hard to put him six. Here's why I like McVay at six, because you know all these NFL front officers are saying, what, we got to get another McVay. We got to find a young workaholic guy who the players can relate to, who's smart, innovative, offensively, high motor. Like whenever people are saying we're going to get the next McVay, that proves that the guy's a stud. That's right? right. That to me, that holds currency. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, look, when you break down the teams that score points last year, okay, the number one team. This is just without the defense or special teams contributing. The number one team in scoring points was Kansas City offensively. Number two was New Orleans. Number three were the Rams. Number four was Indy, who I think Frank Wright's going to be a really good coach. I think he might be a next up-and-comer. Seattle was Seattle was was the next team at 415 points. You know where the Bears were last year with just offensive points? 11. Where? Wow. You would have thought Nagy, offensive guy. Come on, Trubisky for MVP? No. Right, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's what I think the point is if you're going to make that bet. That's still – that's bothered me all week is is I still think – I still think if you 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 had 500 bucks to spare and you just said, hey, I want to spend it, I would take five quarterbacks, none of them being Mitchell Trubisky, (laughs) and bet on the MVP. Because what other race do you know that truly – the odd that, that there's no chance. So, like, I saw somebody had Saquon Barkley as the MVP in the league. Are you fucking kidding me? Seriously, Saquon <laughs> Barkley. How is Saquon Barkley going to be the MVP of the league? 
Right. The team stinks. He might get 1,600 yards, but who cares? The team sucks. Right. How can I you mean, get MVP I, the I team can go down to this beach down here on Seacrest, and, and, and somebody's going to – that would be like a fan. Like, I read that on Twitter. Somebody actually thinks Saquon right. Barkley's a can. Are you kidding me? How can that yeah. possibly be? What running <laughs> only, back gets it, right? What running back – Running backs don't get it anyways. You're right. The whole theory would be he's so good he would lift the Giants to the playoffs, which is a mirage. They're not even going to make – Barry Sanders no couldn't lift the – Barry Sanders couldn't lift the Lions. I mean, right. when does when do we stop talking about running backs carrying teams? Right. Like it's at some point, when do we stop it? It's just so. I mean, you know, there's only five positions that you could possibly ever use. I just don't right. understand it. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another topic, we can do this next time if you want, because I know you're talking about ranking coordinators. Because what I love is, let's do that next time. I want to hear your top five defensive coordinators, because I think that's a fascinating topic. Those guys who are not great head coaches, but just great at coaching defense. Right. Wade Phillips is just great at coaching defense. Don Martindale defense. At, the, at the Ravens. I mean, you know, there's right. a crusty guy. I don't know how Don Martindale, I don't know how Matt LaFleur and, and some of these other guys got head coaching jobs over him. But, you know, that's the problem is they can't, he can't coach the quarterback. Yeah. And Fangio, great defensive coordinator of the Bears, now is going to get that chance with Denver. I don't know if he can do it, but I think he's Denver's a sleeper team. I really do. I think Denver's one of those yeah. teams that's going to surprise people because they're going to be really tough minded. They're going to be like Minnesota with Zimmer on defense. Look, if Fangio wins and Zimmer wins, at some point, some of these teams, some of these owners, and these guys that call themselves executives in the NFL are going to say, wait, maybe we should hire a defensive coach. Yeah. Maybe we should. The greatest coach of all time is a defensive coach. Right. Figure it out. <laughs> uh, what do you got on Gronk? I know you want to talk about Gronk. What's the latest? You know, I, 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 people made an out. People were going crazy today about Gronk playing catch with Brady. I mean, Gronk's lot, lot lost like 15, 20 pounds. If you watch Gronk last year closely, like Gronk couldn't separate from people last year. Gronk was more involved in the passing in the running game than he was in the passing game like I don't think you see this this notion that you can turn it off and on in the NFL like the NFL requires preparation the NFL requires deadlifts it requires squats it requires things for your lower body you just can't come into the NBA and say okay I'm ready to play like I Mm -hmm. just I mean do I think he could come back in October yeah do I think he'll be effective probably not I think it's hard I think you lose weight you don't have the strength when he started the season last year you go back and watch, we watched the Eric Berry when Eric Berry dominated him at the line of scrimmage. He couldn't get away. 
He couldn't get away. Now, I'm sure Brady's going to recruit the shit out of him to play, but I just don't see that as happening. I, I, I really don't. All right, so that's what could happen with Gronk. A couple more topics before we get the NBA. Blue chip ratings and how to grade a team. What do you got here? Well, I think what you have to do is when you're sitting here studying the teams for over and unders, I, I think it comes down to how many blue chip and red chip players you have in both offensive and defensive lines. I think that's ultimately how you bet on teams and how you bet on games and who can impact. Like if the Browns are good next year, it'll be because Olivier Vernon and Miles Garrett really turned it on and Sheldon Richardson, all of them became blue chip players. Like we know Garrett's a blue chip player. Vernon could be, can he become one? I think that's going to be the problem. And I think you got to grade the offensive line. Like for example, the Raiders, everybody's talking about the Raiders. Do you realize Tom Cable's pass protections in his offensive line is always in the bottom 20 of the league? I mean, seriously, Tom Cable's has got a reputation of this being a great offensive line coach. Warren Sharp talks about it in his great book, uh, you know, where he talks about that he has them graded all in the bottom, like like pass protection by the teams that Cable's been with. It's remarkable. I mean, they're always in the bottom 20. So right. if so, again, if you're going to take a team like that and you're going to look at their line, you're going to say, okay, Derek Carr is behind a team that – has bad offensive line protection, does that mean that Trent Brown automatically gets better? Well, it didn't happen in Seattle. When he left Seattle, they got better in pass protection. Right. It's amazing to think about. You're right. In terms of grading, it's it's, it's misleading because you're right. If you heard Tom Cable's name, that's the only thing I would know about him. I'm like, right. yeah, was it failure as a head coach, but great offensive line guy. Great line. Everybody thinks he's a great line coach, but when you really break down the numbers, and that's where you got to break down the blue chip and red chip players. And then it right. lets you to go in. Next week, we'll talk about the coaches more. But I think it really lets you into that to understand that they're not that, that that's not going to happen. Like everybody assumes because the Raiders signed Trent Brown and the Raiders signed uh, other players that they're going to turn this offensive line around. Well, the evidence isn't in the players. The evidence has been in the coach hasn't been able to do it anywhere he's been. Right. That's a concern. Speaking of stars and major names, NBA big trades and impacts. Let's recap Kawhi Leonard. So he helped keep Duncan Young, got another title with the Spurs, uh, brings a title to Toronto, first time ever for that country. Now he goes and he just saved the NBA because he could have gone to the Lakers and colluded with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Instead, he goes, I'll go to the other L.A. team. I'm going to go take on LeBron. And oh, by the way, I'll get Paul George to come. And the Clippers will go up a ton of draft picks. But to your point, which you made about Anthony Davis, basically the Clippers are saying, okay, go ahead. Go ahead and draft somebody great. We'll give you all the picks in the world. We got Paul George as the guy we needed to get Kawhi Leonard. And right. that's my whole thing. When everyone kept saying, man, you gave up a lot of picks for Paul George. No, you didn't. You gave up those picks for Paul George and for Kawhi because Kawhi ain't coming unless right. you get George. Right. So that's you, why Kawhi it didn't sense. come free. He didn't come free. I mean, he just right. didn't come for the 142. He came for, you know, the thing I found fascinating about this whole thing was how quickly Oklahoma City has now gone from potentially trying to compete for a title to now they're in full rebuild mode. And the players determined it. Sam Presti didn't say, okay, I'm going to rebuild. Like he mm-hmm. let Alec Burke, who he signed to a contract. Think about this. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine me walking into Al Davis's office and said, we just signed Alec Burke and, you know, we're going to let him, we're not going to sign the contract because we're not competing anymore. We should just let him go. Right. Could you imagine what he would have done to me on that? Like right. The players have such control in the NBA on whether we're going to rebuild, whether we're going to contend. Uh, you know, I'm with you. I think all those picks with the exception, and I'm not sure that Miami pick that the Sixers traded or Phoenix traded to the Sixers and the Sixers traded to Miami and the Miami trade, you know, like I'm right. not sure all that is really going to pan out. I think they're all going to be picks in the 20. Right. Especially if you're a good team, exactly what you just said. Those picks are low anyway. So how many times have you seen a low first round end up being a star? Not often. Maybe a rotation player, but not a star. I, I think what they should do in the NBA is grade the evaluators. I think they should grade the evaluators 
players because I think what they're saying is there's only about five or six people that can really evaluate in the league. Like we're going to see but, it in this draft. There's probably somebody picked in between 20 and 40 that turns out to be a good player. It happens right. in the NFL. I mean, look, Brady's a six-round pick. Somebody didn't evaluate very well. It happens mm-hmm. more in basketball than you think. I mean, some of these guys teams are coveting after, were, I mean, weren't even picked. I mean, some right. were like, if, I mean, Patrick Beverly was, what, the 40th pick? He just signed a huge deal. You know, nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about these guys. It takes player development, and I think that even though they have the G League, I'm happy he went to the Clippers. I'm happy for Lawrence Frank. I'm happy for that whole organization uh, because I think at least – can you imagine having 82 games at the, at, at the Staples Center now this year? Oh, my God. Lakers – no matter what, you're getting LeBron or Kawhi or Paul George or Anthony Davis. You're getting something. Now, where do you think where do you think Westbrook ends up? Well, here's the other part of it, too. You're right. Oklahoma City, how, what, what an indictment on Westbrook. Like, Durant was like, get me the hell out of here. Paul George is like, get me the hell out of here. Like, I don't want to play with this guy. Right? What, yeah, what an mean, indictment that is on everybody Westbrook. Everybody denies it, but nobody wants to stay. <laughs> no, like nobody can stand the guy. Like, well, I don't want to play with this ball hog who's arrogant and a pain in the ass. I'll just go somewhere else. Well, I mean, if he goes to Miami, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, does he go to Phoenix? Does he go to Miami? Does I mean, I'm sure everybody's going to have him going to Houston because Houston has the greatest PR machine going. So I'm sure everybody's going to put him in Houston. Well, pe- people love Daryl Morey. They say he's so smart. He's like a, like a stats set. They say he's kind of like baseball with the, the sabermetrics and stuff. But meantime, he said he was gonna he was gonna trade everybody, and then all of a sudden they're like, eh, actually, might kind of hang in here. Yeah. Before he was like he was gonna trade Chris Paul. Now well, like, well, you know what? We might have a chance now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know. I I think it's it's really to me when he did said I'm doing it, and they were waiting. And I love the fact that everybody was thinking he was waiting on a decision. What I love the most is nobody knew what he was doing in the background. I think Jason yeah. Whitlock was the only guy that kind of said he was waiting. Now Whitlock never said it was Paul George. But yeah. Whitlock said he was probably th- – that, that's that's really astute by him. I mean, he's right. George was up to something. It wasn't about I want to go to L.A. or I don't. Did yeah. you what, what did you make of the Magic? Weren't they upset with Magic about something? Yeah, well, originally they got mad, mad at Magic Johnson when he obviously quit on the team. But then he was still kind of involved with the recruiting, which is crazy. And then they the said he like, leaked something and it, it pissed them all off. Right, which I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, what a bizarre situation. Magic's one of the all-time great Lakers, and yet somehow he's pissed off the team that should love him. And I, I mean, that what a mess that Lakers team I, is. I think the Lakers could be a 30 for 30. Like this whole uh, LeBron at the Lakers could be – there's a story behind it. There's got to be this whole, I mean, especially with magic and the trades they don't make. Right. It's a mess. I'm glad you mentioned Lawrence Frank. How many people would have been able to say the name Lawrence Frank? Who's running the Clippers if you asked them a week ago? Nobody had any idea. All of a sudden, Lawrence Frank's executive of the year. I mean, yeah, he has Jerry West in there and his general manager. I mean, I went over and spent a day with them after I wrote Gridiron Genius, and they, they all talked about how, you know, football and basketball. I mean, they're grinders. And, I mean, I think Lawrence is one of those guys that tries to keep things underneath wraps because I know he was always concerned about stuff that gets out. Like, I don't yeah. understand how people run their operation the way Houston does, where they tell everybody what they're doing. Like, I don't know how yeah. that works. <laughs> Information sharing. Who knows? Uh, last thought, on a serious note, uh, former Patriots linebacker, Teddy Bruschi. Of course, I worked at the ESPN. Great guy. Unfortunately, he suffered his second stroke. The good news is that uh, Teddy was smart enough to see the symptoms coming and, and got help right away and apparently should have a full recovery. But obviously, just a, a great guy, a terrific football player. We wish him nothing but the best. Buddy. Yeah, we wish him well. I mean, that, you know, to have two strokes, I mean, I can still remember Teddy – to me, my fondest memory of Teddy Bruschi was when he played at the University of Arizona and Jonathan Ogden was coming out. And he rushed against Jonathan Ogden better than anybody I've ever seen. Now, Jonathan Ogden could have – there was about – he could have put a fit about three Teddy Bruschis in Jonathan Ogden. <laughs> 
<laughs> but he rushed him really impressively. And the way he ended up becoming a player who could play on his feet truly is remarkable. I mean, I hope he recovers. I hope he can keep working. hope he can keep yeah. doing things because, uh, I mean, it's too young to have a stroke. Absolutely. Two strokes, as you mentioned, is very, very scary. So wish him nothing but the best. Thanks, as always, to everybody for listening. Subscribe, rate, review, GM Shuffle. We'll talk coordinators next time around. Anything else you want to plug, Mike? Speaking engagements, where are you going to be? No, I'm going to be here. I, I got to go talk to the Baylor football team tomorrow. Then I'm going to go down to Washington. I've got a meeting with a couple senators who read the book, which I'm excited oh, wow. for. No, I'm very no affiliation. I have no. I'm just happy to talk to them. And <laughs> uh, and then I'm headed out to Las Vegas next week uh, for Veasan, and I'm going to host. Uh, I'm going to host. That's Mitch right. And- Let's say congrats. You're part of the football coverage now. I'm right? going to host the Veasan football coverage out there next week. Mitch and Pauly's show, which you can see on Nesson in the morning and and msg so i'm excited for it that's great man good stuff as always we'll see Same you, next to you. Time. What, what do we got cinephile what are we doing there cinephile we're talking there's a new movie called the art of self-defense it's about uh, this character who gets beat up he's kind of bullied a little bit so he learns karate to try to defend himself i'm talking to the director this week jesse eisenberg's the actor but the director i'm speaking to in cinephile so also just a spider-man with my brother and my boys Fantastic. I mean, you look at the great superheroes of all time. Spider-Man, I mean, he's, he's Mount Rushmore. I, I'm more of a Batman guy. My brother's more of a Spider-Man guy. With this Spider-Man, good special effects, entertaining, really well done. I love Batman. I can't, I mean, I still, if, if I see a Batman, the, the 60s show on TV, I, yeah. I, I'm not changing the channel. I got to be honest. I, and I know they're going to be able to save themselves and all that. I just right. love the gadgets. I, I love the, all the things that have come true. Google Maps, you know, the Batmap, yeah. all, all that stuff. Hey, did you, have yeah. you seen Once Upon a, have you seen the new Quentin Tarantino movie is it out no, yet? No, it's coming. It's coming out July 26th. I can't wait. I saw the trailer again last night from the Spider-Man movie. It looks fantastic. And then one other thing: How about the Roger Ailes on Showtime? Have you watched that yet? I haven't. A friend of mine just texted me. Said it's great. Russell Crowe said he's going to win an Emmy playing Roger Ailes. Can Unbelievable. You? I can't wait. Well, have a great week. Thanks, Mike. We'll talk to you. Bye bye.